Hello, I am Dr. Laura Pfeiffer, naturopathic doctor. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about how your thyroid can impact your hormones. I'm just going to briefly touch on a few different ways in which this happens and I'm going to talk about um, some specific thyroid concerns that I see in my practice with my patients uh, as it pertains to hormone issues. I'm going to touch base a little bit on the types of conditions that I don't actually see as commonly, uh, but I just want you to know that they exist and different ways to get the proper investigation so that you know exactly what you are looking for. So let's just talk about the thyroid gland in general. The thyroid gland is a gland that is located inside your neck. Now, a lot of people don't really pay much attention to this or realize the gravity of how much the thyroid does for our body. So the thyroid is like our metabolism master. It controls every part of our body's metabolism. So it makes sense that if your thyroid is off, everything is going to be off. And that includes your reproductive system and your hormones. And that includes just how you feel in general and your mental health and all of those pieces. Your thyroid has a hand in everything. So your thyroid typically will get messages from the brain as to whether or not it should release thyroid hormones. Thyroid hormones impact all cells in the body and is necessary for all body functions. Like I said, it has hands in everything. So everything from your nervous system function to your reproductive function, to your mental health, to your weight regulation, all of those things. And so what happens is we have something called TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. And basically this is going to tell your thyroid whether or not we're making more hormones, whether or not we need hormones. So TSH comes along and says, okay, thyroid, time to make hormones. We pump out an inactive thyroid hormone called T4. And then we actually convert some of that hormone that's inactive to what's known as the active hormone or T3. Now, why do we do this? Why do we pump out a bunch of hormone that is inactive? Here's the thing. Imagine every time your thyroid needed a boost, we actually pumped out active hormone. Now, because of the role that the thyroid plays, because of all of the things that the thyroid does, it's important to understand that your thyroid helps to regulate your heart rate. So it's going to make you sweat. It's going to regulate your bowels. So it's going to give you diarrhea or constipation. Um, it's going to regulate the ability of you to grow hair. It's going to, um, it can cause depression or anxiety if it's off. And so imagine we told our thyroid, okay, we need hormones. We dumped out a bunch of active hormone we would probably have heart palpitations and we would be sweating and we would have diarrhea every time we needed hormones. So that's not a very good regulatory mechanism. So basically our thyroid just takes those hormones and converts them as needed. So it's this very tightly regulated system that allows for us to use thyroid hormones as we need them. So let's first talk about thyroid issues in men. So I talked about T3 and T4. They both actually play roles in the development and function of the testes. So from birth, both men and women need thyroid support. We need functioning thyroid hormones. And I find in a lot of men, the thyroid isn't looked at. Now, thyroid issues are a lot more common in women, but in men, thyroid issues can actually be a big deal. And when we're talking about hormones, we know that thyroid is required for the development of the testes, first of all. 
We know an overactive thyroid can impact semen volume, sperm count, sperm motility, and sperm morphology. So this is all the pieces of a sperm analysis. And so if you're looking to get pregnant or you're in that fertility zone, making sure your partner has their thyroid properly tested is really important because not only is your thyroid important, but if your partner has a thyroid issue that is off, that can impact his hormones and impact his sperm analysis as well. And then on the flip side, an underactive thyroid can impact sperm morphology, motility, and reduce testosterone. So it's not only impacting the sperm itself, the quality of the sperm, and the ability to make good quality sperm, but it actually has the ability to impact testosterone levels, which we know are really important to fertility. When we're looking at it in women in fertility um, and men, an inadequately treated thyroid can actually lead to infertility, miscarriage, and adverse pregnancy outcomes, abnormal TSH levels, so that level that we're looking at initially, which tells us whether or not we need hormones, can actually interfere with ovulation. If we interfere with ovulation, that can impact progesterone. So if you have an imbalanced thyroid, that can actually lead to shorter or longer cycles, lighter or heavier bleeding. So it's not always one or the other. It's, it can be both, right? So you can have a thyroid issue, and that can be the reason why your periods are so heavy or your cycles are so short. We, we sometimes look at it and we zone in. Especially in fertility, we zone in on specific, what we like to call root causes. And a lot of times, so let's say you're not ovulating, and the reason why you're not, ov you're sorry, the reason why your progesterone's low is because you're not ovulating. But here's the thing, if the root cause of your lack of ovulation is a thyroid issue, then we need to stop focusing on the progesterone and the ovulation itself, and we need to really pull back and start looking into the thyroid gland. So that would be kind of a next step or a next move here when we're looking at those who have issues with ovulation. Maybe it's not PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, maybe it's actually a thyroid issue. So looking at your cycles, if they're shorter or longer, lighter or heavier than they should be, it's really important to look at your thyroid. And then your thyroid hormones support all phases of egg growth, sperm maturation, and survival of a fertilized egg. So we can see the importance of thyroid when it comes to every piece of the hormonal puzzle. Because at the end of the day, even if you aren't trying to get pregnant, we need to make sure we are making eggs appropriately and we're ovulating them, otherwise, you're going to have issues with hormonal imbalances. So like I said, abnormal TSH can interfere with ovulation. That's not important just for those trying to get pregnant. But if you aren't ovulating regularly, we know the implications it can cause. Worsened PMS, heavy periods, painful periods, acne, all of the symptoms that come with having period problems can come from not ovulating because not ovulating equals not having enough progesterone. And so it is really important whether you're trying to get pregnant or not, even if you are in the perimenopausal state, we still need to be looking at your thyroid if you have hormonal imbalances. So I don't want you to look at this and think, okay, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not trying to get pregnant. This actually applies to everyone. I just wanted to look at it in the context of fertility because it gives you a window into how it impacts your hormones. So again, we look at T3. This is the active hormone. This helps to thicken the uterine lining. So 
as we're going through uh, in a fertility perspective, we need to have a uterine lining that is thick enough for implantation to occur. We need that egg to have a really juicy, comfy area where it can burrow in and start growing and start dividing and everything that it needs to do. And so T3 helps with that. T3 helps the fertilized egg move down the fallopian tubes towards the uterus. So thyroid dysfunction can in, impact fertility in a variety of ways. So I already talked about ovulation. So like I said, these anovulatory cycles. So the inability to properly ovulate, this is gonna impact progesterone levels. Now, when we don't have high enough progesterone in the second half of the cycle, also known as the luteal phase, you can actually have something called a luteal phase defect. And so this can result in these anovulatory cycles, so not ovulating every cycle, luteal phase defect, meaning you don't have enough progesterone, your luteal phase is not long enough, and you may or may not have short cycles. In a luteal phase defect, you may have spotting during your cycles as well. Also, it can result in high prolactin levels. Prolactin is something that, it, so it is our kind of lactation hormone. So if your prolactin is high, uh, it can be caused by a dysfunction in your thyroid. Another thing to consider and another thing to look into when your prolactin is high is if your prolactin is high, you can actually have uh, galactorrhea. So you can actually have milk coming from your breasts. Um, so having high prolactin has a variety of implications. Another reason why, just going off of this prolactin, women who are breastfeeding typically won't uh, have a period and they won't regularly ovulate. That's not for everyone, but that's just um, what I'm gonna say for now about this, uh, because prolactin stops ovulation. So again, let's say, number one thing that happens, thyroid's off. What can thyroid cause? Anovulatory cycles, so we don't ovulate. It can cause a luteal phase defect, so we don't make enough progesterone. It can also cause our prolactin to be high, which indirectly the thyroid is by way of causing prolactin to be high, it's causing us not to ovulate. Like I just said, prolactin usually inhibits ovulation or at least regular ovulation. So that's another way it can impact things. And in general, sex hormone imbalances, like I said about progesterone, we've already talked about testosterone, and then all of those things have to be in balance for everything to kind of be in order. So there's a couple things I'm going to talk about with an underactive thyroid here. And uh, the underactive thyroid I'm only going to talk about because an overactive thyroid is less common. Um, and the autoimmune version of an overactive thyroid is also known as Graves' disease, which is something I'm just not going to get into because typically the management for Graves' disease is conventional, so you do need uh, medication from your medical doctor. Like I said, it is a lot less common in the populations I'm working with, so I'm not going to chat about it, but I will talk about what it is so that you can seek out the proper care if you, so you know when to seek out the proper care if you need it. So let's talk about an underactive thyroid. So what does that mean? I spoke about thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH. This is basically the hormone that we decide whether or not we need hormones from the thyroid. So it gives us an ability to make T4 and then we convert that T4 to T3. So in a situation where your thyroid needs hormones, we send out a signal, thyroid stimulating hormone increases because it's saying we need more hormones. Then you have a feedback loop where your thyroid will then make 
the hormones, dump them out, give you the active T4, you'll make the T3, and that effectively turns off that feedback loop. And so your TSH will go back down. And so what happens is as the TSH rises, we make hormones and then it shuts off and it goes back down. So if you have a hypo or underactive thyroid, your TSH is going to continue to go up. A lot of people get confused because they think if TSH is high, that is an overactive. But it's actually the opposite because if TSH is going up and up and up and up and up, what that's telling us is our thyroid's actually not responding how we need it to. So that's what's happening with an underactive thyroid. So it's called hypothyroidism. There's two types of hypothyroidism I'm going to talk about specifically. If we're just looking at an underactive thyroid in general, the causes can be a few. So uh, sometimes we have nutrient deficiencies. Sometimes it's a genetic component. Sometimes you could have a thyroid nodule that's interfering with your ability to uh, make hormones properly. But what I see most often is an underactive thyroid in those who have been diagnosed with something called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I'm also going to touch on postpartum thyroiditis because it is a little bit of a sector of Hashimoto's thyroiditis. But I wanted to touch on Hashimoto's thyroiditis because it is an autoimmune thyroid disorder. And so with any autoimmune disease, what happens is there is a genetic predisposition followed by a trigger. So you have a genetic predisposition based on your genes, based on your family history, and then there's something that's going to trigger your body into creating this autoimmune disorder, just like any autoimmune disease. So what can that trigger be? It can really be anything, environmental, stress, you could have a viral illness. Um, when it comes to postpartum thyroiditis, I actually see the birth of a child, so the changing of those hormones can be a trigger. Another trigger can be if you're going into perimenopause or menopause and the changing of the hormones at that phase in your life can be a trigger. Um, so there's a, a variety of different things. Specific viral illnesses that have been correlated to Hashimoto's thyroiditis are things like Epstein-Barr virus or mono. Um, so if you had a history of mono, you're more likely to get Hashimoto's down the road. And so what happens with this is basically your body is seeing your thyroid as a foreign entity. It's not supposed to be there. And so then your body makes antibodies against your thyroid. So you are attacking your thyroid with these antibodies. And what happens when you attack your thyroid? Your cells will become damaged. This makes it harder to create thyroid hormones. And so how does this process go? And, and to be honest, it's actually quite an unpredictable process because in some of my patients I see that have Hashimoto's, the rest of their thyroid hormones look great. Their TSH isn't high, their T3 isn't, high, or isn't too low, their T4 is fine, but they have the presence of antibodies. So I just want to differentiate. Are your labs normal here? Now, they can be normal here. That is the thing with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So I will talk at a later date about testing and we'll go through all of that. But here's the thing. There are typically phases to Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So let's just break it down. Phase one is where you have the factor that starts everything. So the factor that is your trigger in creating thyroid antibodies. So let's say you get a viral illness, you now have thyroid antibodies. Your antibodies are attacking your thyroid because your body's saying, wow, this is not supposed to be part of the body. 
So effectively, your thyroid cells are getting damaged. Now, there's a few different patterns that happen. The first thing that can happen is kind of this initial dump. And now some women have symptoms of this and some women do not at all. But what happens is once that damage is starting initially, your thyroid goes, oh, wow, we need to dump out all of these hormones. Our cells are damaged. So we're getting rid of all the hormones we have. Now, this can lead to this state of heart palpitations, anxiety. A lot of times this actually ends up happening postpartum after you have your baby or as you're transitioning into menopause and perimenopause. The thing is, is oftentimes this phase doesn't last very long. Some women don't have any symptoms at all of this phase and other women will just have what they describe as anxiety. So they'll go to their doctor and say, I'm having heart palpitations, I'm having anxiety. Their doctor will test their TSH they say, oh, it's in the normal range. They might wear a Holter monitor on their heart. Your heart is fine. And they just say, you know what? It's just anxiety. Send them home. And eventually it usually just goes away. That's the first part. So we've never identified the Hashimoto's in that first part. Then we have the second part of this kind of two-phase situation. And what happens in that second part is now that we've dumped out all our hormones, now that we've damaged the cells, we actually can't get back to where we were in terms of making the appropriate amounts of hormones. So then what happens is 50% of the time we actually go into a hormone deficiency. And 50% of the time we recover from that and everything is all good and you may not even actually know that anything ever happened. And the other 50% of the time, you stay in an underactive thyroid state because you can't make those hormones anymore like you used to pre-damage. Okay, so that's kind of the phases of Hashimoto's. This is why it goes undiagnosed for so long because your doctor's just usually running TSH. And if TSH is fine, then you're considered fine. So it's really important to understand those phases and how that can go because what happens is once you're in that hypothyroid phase the only way to get out of it is by treating the antibodies rather than giving you synthetic hormones which medication for thyroid is usually just giving you synthetic hormones so that's the overview of Hashimoto's thyroiditis now on the flip side we typically have an autoimmune disease of overactive thyroid which is called Graves disease Typically, I don't actually see this in my clients much because if you have Graves' disease, this is something that needs to be monitored and treated uh, with your medical doctor. So if you are having an overactive thyroid uh, called Graves' disease, that will be something that has to be treated using specific medications. Uh, so that's an overview of how your thyroid can impact your hormones and why it's important to actually get those additional investigations to make sure that you're rolling out uh, any other concerns for your reproductive issues.